When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. 936 here on the Big One, 700WLW. Make sure you check out my blog, 700WLW.com. Search for Rocky Boyman. I, now, it's funny. I wrote this uh, yesterday, but since then, there's been yet another actually two more airline freakouts. We, we touched on this last week, but it, it's just amazing that how many airline disasters, and not like disasters, but I mean in terms of people freaking out and their you know, giant rabbits and cargo storages are being killed, and then you got people on tarmacs that are waiting in the hot sun down in Miami and cooking, and they can't get out of their seat. They can't use the bathroom. It, it's absolutely insane. And then today... There was a Southwest Airlines flight where there like a full-scale fight broke out, like a street fight broke out on an airplane, caught on video. And I talked about this last week and, again, wrote it on the blog. It's like I just think people are absolutely fed up. There's not another industry in the country, I feel, where you pay a premium price and as a result of that paying that premium price, you get half of what you deserve. Right, uh, never another industry where you pay a ton of money and most of the time not really get what you want. Now, I, and I know people are saying, "Look, you know, flying across the country, um, it, it costs money and this and that." Okay, fine, but you have to agree that everything about flying is stressful. I mean, you get up in the morning, right? You got a six a.m. flight. You're up at four o'clock trying to get out the door. You're racing to the because you don't know if the the TSA line is going to be long or is it going to be short. So you get there. And then if you have to check a bag, bam, 30 bucks. Right? I mean, you haven't, even, you haven't even had one cup of coffee yet, and you're getting dinged for 30 bucks. That's after you just got dinged for 20 for parking. All right, so you're 50 bucks in the hole. It's like, you know, 5.15 a.m. You're waiting in line. You go through the, the, the TSA check. You have to get a, a body cavity search, right? So, and so now it's, it's like 5.45. You've paid 50 bucks. You've been violated. Then you walk all the way down to your gate. And then, like, it's like 30 minutes before the flight, but everyone's, like, already standing in line. Even though they're, like, in zone seven, they're, like, standing up there like they're going to get on the plane. You're like, it doesn't work like that. you got to wait for whatever. Everyone's so pissed off with each other. Then you walk up. You're getting ready to get on the plane. They say, mm, this is a small plane, that, that carry-on bag. It's a little bit big. You have to check at the gate. So then in your head, you know that, well, once I get off this plane, it's going to take me an extra 10 minutes. i got to stand in the, in, the, in the breezeway there. Wait for my 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 uh, my carry on bag to be brought up. All right, so fifty bucks in the hole, body cavity search, extra ten minutes for the bag. Get on the plane. You find out the plane is is looks like it's from from Tiny Land. You can't even find a seat that looks like a human being should be able to sit in it. Okay, so now you're cramped in this seat. Now you're waiting on the tarmac for twenty minutes for some unknown reason, and then you get up in the air and then you land. Then you wait on the tarmac for another. 15 minutes while the gate opens up because the airline doesn't want us paying another like $7 to open up the gate earlier or whatever the reason. Then you get off the plane, you wait for your bag and you finally get. So the point is it's, a, it's such a stressful environment. Everyone is, is, is just like ready to crack. And I think that people have actually cracked. That's what you're seeing. 
and and I don't and look, I, I know it's it's there's some of it is just unavoidable, right? It, you know, it's it is what it is. I, I get it. like the the glamour of plane flying, like the way it was in the fifties, sixties, and stuff. Apparently, is absolutely over. This, this is nothing more than mass transit anymore, right? It's not. It's nothing more than a bus that happens to fly. I get that, but there's certain things that are just people are, are, are sick and tired of, and, and I'm actually happy that they're calling the airline out on this. The whole business of double-charging people, right, of selling your seat twice. Again, not another industry that I can think of where a business sells a product twice, and like, and there's like an algorithm that says, well, you know, 17.6% of the time, this person will not pick up their product, or in this case, the airline seat. Well, there's a certain amount of times over the course of the entire nation, someone buys a seat and they don't show up, so we'll sell three seats or four seats that we actually don't have, cross their fingers that these three people don't show up. And that way, instead of $600 or $500 for a seat, we now make double. We make a thousand bucks on it. Think about if you went, if you had season tickets to the Reds, right? You had season tickets to the Reds and you were in whatever section uh, B seat number 17 down the right field line. And that was your seat. You paid for that seat, paid money for it. That was your seat for the entire year. But then, like, one day you, like, go in the res game and there's, like, some other guy sitting there and you're like, what are you doing, man? This is my seat. I, I paid money for this seat. And he's like, well, you know, they, they sold me the same seat. Showed you the ticket. And you say this is absolutely ludicrous. You'd lose your mind. And it'd be, it'd be unacceptable. But on an airline, it is acceptable. But actually, it's not acceptable because people are, are losing their minds over it. And, and I get it. it. It doesn't make any sense how that how that is is possible. I mean, and it's the other thing too, I think people are mad is for the longest time I remember when airline tickets were so expensive. And this is, you know, two, three, four, five years ago. And and the the line you always heard was, well, it's because the cost of fuel. Like, you know, this is when oil was, you know, two hundred dollars a barrel and it's the cost of fuel that's causing these prices to rise. Okay, so now I mean gas has never been cheaper. Like like you know, figured it's never been cheaper. But yet the prices are still extraordinarily high. They're still charging you for your bag. They're still, and then on top of all that, you're not getting what what you what you paid for. It's it's, it's again, it's no wonder people are are, are freaking out. And you know, I, I just think it's it's in a way it's good. Now I'm not for all the the you know all the cell phone videos and all the all the people trying to catch people doing st- this thing and the, the airline doing that wrong. For the most part, I'm not all for that. But in this case, I think it's good because it's bringing some attention that, look, airlines have been getting away with a little too much for a little too long here. And some things, you know, not, not need to be holistic, total crazy changes, but things need to be shored up a little bit. This whole double selling of tickets has is, is got to stop, man. There, there's no other, no other industry in the world where you can get away with that. So anyway, so my, my blog is on there if you want to read it or you can just listen to everything I just said. I wanted to bring up this one real quick. Because um, this is a story I saw in the Enquirer, and I think it's going to be big-time news here, probably starting tomorrow. I wanted to bring it to your attention. In the, in the uh, headlines, this is ran by, uh, written by Ann Saker in the Enquirer. Headline, student beat him, then others kicked him while he lay unconscious. Later, he killed himself at eight years old. A security video uh, taken inside Carson Elementary School reveals that a student assaulted eight-year-old boy, an eight-year-old boy in a restroom, and other children kicked and struck the boy for five whole minutes while he lay unconscious. Two days later, the boy died of suicide. In a report obtained by the Enquirer, Cincinnati police homicide detective 
describes the January 24th school videos content as, quote, I witnessed behavior that in my belief is bullying and could even rise to the level of criminal assault if not for the young ages of the perpetrators. Now, here's where it gets interesting. The mother's lawyer, okay, says that school officials at Carson Elementary, and this is Cincinnati Public Schools, by the way, the mother's lawyer says school officials did not tell the boy's mother about the assault or that he had lost consciousness, only that the boy had fainted. So the, the guy, kid comes home and he's got a bunch of, you know, assume bruises and this and that and stuff all over him. And the mother's like, well, you know, what, what, what happened here? Oh, I just, you know, kind of, you know, whatever. He just kind of, uh, you know, that, that was he fainted, maybe fell a little bit. Meanwhile, this kid was getting bullied, big time bullied, and nothing said. And nothing was said, uh, what was this, like last year, the Fairfield School, where the girl wanted committing suicide, when there was all, on social media, there was all these chat rooms and Facebook pages that were made to destroy this young girl's life and make her want to do the inevitable, which was take her own life. And the school stepped in and did absolutely nothing. Now, what's, what's crazy is you take those two incidents, incidents and you compare them to another story I was going to bring up. And that's the one where the Ohio Middle School, uh, this was uh, Edgewood Middle School, they suspend a kid for 10 days because he liked an Instagram photo of an airsoft gun. So another one, again, these aren't the same schools, so you know it's hard to make an apples and apples comparison, but I feel like you're always seeing these stories, right, where the school is suspending a kid because he's got a picture of a bow and arrow that when him and his dad went on a hunting trip. Or they're suspending this kid because he's got a Donald Trump shirt on. Right? So they're all over this stuff. They're, they're trolling everyone's social media, which I agree with, by the way. I, I think the school should, should track and monitor kids' social media accounts. But not for piddly bullcrap like this. It should be monitoring the, the Facebook and the social media accounts of these kids so they can catch real-life stuff, like awful stuff, like bullying. But and I don't know what it is. Is it just? It's not. Is it a politically correct thing? Is it? Is it a laziness thing? Whereas, okay, it's a. You know, here's a. He liked the picture of a gun. Boom, suspension gone. That'll be supported. No big deal. But we're like a like bullying. That's like you got to get down in the muck on that one. You got to really dig deep and look into things. And that, that's a tough, tough scenario with a lot of moving parts. I just wonder if. I mean, the school's just not want to deal with it. But but I'm sick and tired of reading these stories. This is going to be big news here. I, I feel awful. This poor kid gets the crap kicked at him for five minutes, on video, he's laying unconscious, and then two days later, he commits suicide. I'm sure, and, and if you if you think that this was the only incident of bullying this kid faced, I, I, I got news for you. There's no way a kid commits suicide for one incident of getting in a fight in school. This had to have been going on and on and on. You wonder, where was the school? Where were the teachers? Did they see this? Did they not want to report it? Or did they just weren't interested in reporting it? Were there other factors involved? I, I have no idea, but it's, man, it's just so, so sad, the bullying that's going on. And I feel like there's things the school could do, but I don't know if for whatever reason they don't want to get their hands dirty, they don't want to get involved in it, but meanwhile, kids are dying. But the, the low-hanging fruit of, oh, let's, let's suspend this kid because he's wearing an American flag shirt, for God's sake, yeah, that, that's fine. Oh, this kid, he's uh, he liked a picture of a of an airsoft gun on on a on a on a Twitter or whatever. Yeah, that that's unacceptable. We're, we're all over that one. But the real issues, the stuff that is really hurting kids, is is not being. There's nothing being done about in these schools, and I, and I think it's, it's it's something that needs to be brought attention to. Five one three seven four nine seven thousand pounds seven hundred AT and T one eight hundred the big one. Let's do this. We will take a break and we will come back with more. Stick around. Seven hundred WLW. 
All right, it's 952 here on the big one. Coming up here after the top of the hour news, uh, Pat Dunn is going to join me. He is a uh, the head of an organization called Holiday for Heroes. And coming up uh, this weekend is uh, the Battle of the Badge. Okay, it's this Saturday, BB&C Arena. Um, and it's it's cool, man. It's, like a, it's a boxing match between local police, local fire, local uh, military servicemen and women. And, you know, you get to pay a ticket, and the ticket, ticket goes to charity, goes to scholarships for children of servicemen and women. I mean, a great, great thing. So you get to you know, pay a ticket. Who doesn't love going to a boxing match? Right? You get to see some guys kind of beat the crap of each, of each other a little bit, but it's all for a good cause. It's for the you know men and women in uniform. So uh, he'll be here um, uh, here in a, in a few minutes again, coming up after the 10 o'clock news to discuss a little bit of that. A couple of things, I don't have time to get into them now, but <clears throat> just to kind of preview a couple other topics, I, I want to revisit the, the adoption topic. Now, I brought this up last night, and we had incredible interaction. And I just kind of offhand mentioned, I was talking about Aaron Judge, the, the young uh, phenom Yankee player outfielder who's leading Major League Baseball in home runs and runs scored and has like you know second RBIs. Well, anyway, I brought the fact that looking di- digging into his history, he was adopted and he didn't learn he was adopted until you know ten, eleven, twelve years old. He looked at his parents and well, I kind of don't look like you guys. And his parents told him, "Hey, we adopted you, this and that." Um, he's never tried to find out who his biological parents are. And I kind of brought that topic up for discussion last night, which is if you uh, say you are a parent who has adopted a, a child, how do you feel when the child then at some point in their life, they choose to decide to find out who their biological parents are? And does that, does that upset you? Do you like it? It's funny. A lot of the callers last night said, Hey, we actually, encourage it because it's, it's a way to kind of get some answers it brings some closures and a lot of times the kids find out the truth which is you know that they're they're much better off in the situation they're in now with a loving family that happened to take them in versus the one they were in when well, you know maybe a parent was young single mother single father whatever didn't have the means to take care of them so they made the decision the very very tough decision to give them up for adoption and their lives wind up working out much, much better. So I want to get into that. And the, 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 what I want to hit on, though, is kind of a different angle, and that is are you an adopted child of a, of a, of a biracial family or of a different racial, racial family? In other words, are, are you, a, you know, an African-American man or woman who was taken in by a white family, and what's that like, or vice versa? I wonder what that brings up. And the second one is if you are someone who's given up a child for adoption, and that's, that child, you know, 15, 20 years later comes back and wants to meet you. How do you feel about that? Because I wonder if you say, ah, I, I kind of gave you up and that was a part of my life and I did what I had to do, but now I don't want to relive that. I wonder if there's anybody out there that, that has those, has experienced that. So we'll get into that much, much more. But right now is the news and we'll come back. We'll have uh, Pat Dunn with Battle of the Badge. Stick around. We're going till midnight, 700 WLW. All right, hour number two of the Rocky Boyman Show here on News Radio 700 WLW. We've got a big-time event coming up here this weekend. It's called Battle of the Badge. This Saturday, BB&T Arena. And I think everyone out there has been to events and fundraisers. A lot of time it's boring, right? It's like cheap wine and some beer and somebody gives a speech that you don't want to hear. And then everyone goes home, right? And they expect you to give a lot of money. But... This is actually a really cool event, and I got two guys in here uh, joining me. It's the president 
uh, of a Holiday for Heroes, an organization that's dedicated to helping the families of, of servicemen and women and families that are involved in police and fire. Uh, his name is Pat Dunn. Again, he's the president. And also with him is his deputy, uh, Mitch uh, Kotzbauer. They join me right now. Guys, how are you? Good, Rock. Glad Great. to be here. So, so talk about this event. Uh, you guys called uh, Battle of the Badge. And you take police, fire, policemen and women, firemen, and military servicemen and women, and you allow them to fight each other? Absolutely. Box? It's, awesome. It's same That's awesome. <laughs> it's uh, three one-minute rounds. Yeah. And uh, these guys train. They try to be technical, but once they get in there, it's three minutes of haymakers. It is an awesome time. It's funny you say that because when I was at Notre Dame, they have this charity thing. It's called Bengal Bouts, right? It's been around for like 100 years, and these, you know, and like regular students do it. And it goes through like a couple, like a two-month-long period where you're learning boxing skills and all these coaches are teaching and all this technical stuff. Ding, that bell rings. It's Haymaker City, man. They just, just start going at it. We trained a guy two years ago to fight <laughs> for about three months. And on the way to the ring, our coach that was working with us, he said, you remember everything I taught you? Fighter says, absolutely. He said, forget every bit of it. It's a street fight. Good luck. <laughs> and the fear in this guy's eye when he looked at us, and it was wide open. And uh, he came out, and he did great, but it's a, it's a great show, man. Very cool. Now, now just, let's talk a little bit about the organization, Holiday for Heroes. Uh, you got a great website. It's www.holidayforheroes.org. Uh, Pat, describe the, the genesis of this entire organization. How did it come about? Well, this came about 12 years ago when one of our kids came up with the idea of supplying care packages to the military back in 2005. After that, we had an event around the 4th of July, which is still going on today. It's July 1st this year over in Burlington, Kentucky. It's called the 4th for Our Soldiers event presented by the Holiday for Heroes Foundation. And that's where this whole thing started. We started just doing doing care packages. People really liked the, the idea. And back in 2011, 2012, we became an official charity. And started doing these scholarships. We have three events. We have the fourth for our soldiers on July 1st. We have this Battle of the Badge coming up here on uh, May 13th. And then we have a charity golf outing at Triple Crown Country Club on June 19th. Last year, we awarded $15,000 in scholarships, another $2,500 in college grants, and $2,500 in hardship grants to military families, police families, and fire families. Now, I'm going to ask you a very stupid question, but, but for listeners out there that maybe don't get it – why is it important to support, you know, military police and, and fire? What, what are some of the things that, I guess, circumstances they go through, their families go through where, where they need help? Well, that's where we came up with this is these kids that get these scholarships, and they're all tri-state kids, that they've sacrificed their formative years, you know, their football games, their dance recitals, mm-hmm. those sort of things, because their parents were defending our country and our communities, so we want to give back to them for their sacrifice for their parents when they couldn't be there. So that's why we came up. With right, you got a, you know a, a kid. He's in in baseball games, and hey, where's dad at? Well, he's over in Afghanistan fighting for our country, that's or right. he's jumping out of uh, buildings that are on fire. He can't be there, which is tough for a kid, right? right. I imagine exactly. you, know, you want your mom and dad there, but they can't be because they're helping serve the, the greater good here. Uh, so that kind of helps, I guess, help the kids. You know, ease that burden a little bit. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, they miss the father-daughter dance or the mother-son dance that they have now in, in high schools and grade schools. And they miss the, the baseball games or the football games or the dance recitals. So there's a lot of sacrifice that goes on with, with these groups. And there's a lot of stress going on with these families. So that's where, you know, we we come up with, with this idea. And it's really been received well. We've, 
we're pretty sure we're the only charity like this in the tri-state area, and uh, we've been really blessed to have it. Yeah, and you time. you were telling me off air that this whole idea started about four or five years ago, you had like a like a backyard party, and it was over like you know baked beans and potato salad like discussions. This whole idea for this great charity came. Tell us about that. Well, this this thing came about <laughs> actually it was twelve years ago, back in two thousand five. Okay, wow. Okay. And we were having a family discussion on who was going to bring baked beans or potato salad to a 4th of July party. Right. And uh, my son at the time, who was 10, just looked at us and said, well, why don't we just people have people bring care packages and we'll send them to the troops overseas. Bingo. And my wife and I looked at each other and we went, that's a pretty good idea. And we told everybody to do it. We had about 75 people there the first year. And last year we had about 3,000 people there. Wow, so, this has grown, yeah. grown that much. Right. Mitch, talk about maybe some of the um, – I'm sure you work with some of these families. Any just like stories that stick out of kids you've been able to help or scholarships you've been able to give? Yeah, I mean like Pat said, it's it's about the sacrifices that the kids made. And there's a lot of charities out there and there's a lot of insurance and stuff when guys unfortunately are, are killed in the line of duty. Mm. But there's a lot of families out there that are suffering because – you know, we fall under the same workers' comp as everybody else does, and guys are operating at, you know, 50% of their paycheck because they were shot in the line of duty and crazy things like that. Right. And it turns out, you know, when Christmas comes, Christmas gifts are hard to find or it's hard to pay their fees for football or whatever it is. And that's what we want to step in and try to help those kids along with their education and try to get some kids interested in law enforcement, police, and fire and keep them moving forward. Right. So, so how has this been, um, I guess, uh, received by the local police and fire? I, mean, I have to imagine they're, they're all four, but it describes how that relationship and how you, you got those folks involved. Sure. I mean, it's a brotherhood to begin with. I mean, everybody's got the rivalry, the police, the fire, Army, Marines. But when it comes right down to it, it's the same team. Right. So these guys all know each other. There is some bragging rights involved. We're going to have some that are police versus police. But this year, probably the most special thing we've ever had is there was a Kenton County sergeant um, several years ago that took some time off to go to Afghanistan to train police. He was a 19-year veteran. He was killed in Afghanistan on his sixth day. Hmm. His wife last year called and said, hey, can you have one of the fights named after him? I said, absolutely. So she called me around Christmas time this year and said, hey, I got an idea. I said, what's that? She goes, I want to fight. I said, really? (laughs) She goes, I want to fight for him on the police side. And I said, let's do it. So um, she lives in Richmond, Kentucky now. She's going to come up. She's fighting. She's the main event. And she's actually fighting a female from Cincinnati Police Department. So it's going to be a big show. It's going to be That's a hell of a deal right there. Oh, it's awesome. I was so happy when she called. We didn't know what to do. And honestly, she dropped 100 tickets right now. I mean, everybody's coming to see this fight. So. It's pretty exciting. It's going to be emotional. So, so now you're you're a, a police officer or a fireman? I'm a, a sheriff's deputy for Sher- Boone County. Okay, Sher- okay, yeah, okay. Um, d- describe some of that rivalry between police and like you said, we're all on the same team, but there's like a, a good a, a, a rivalry that that should be there, right? Everyone oh, kind of wants to prove, okay, you know? I, yeah, we rib those guys. They get to sleep at work. They get to work out <laughs> at work. And we park in the wrong spots, and we they think we do dumb things, and that we're doctors and firemen when we get there first. So. You know, we give it back and forth, and that's never going to stop. Um, it'll be divided at the beginning of the night, but when it's all said and done, those guys will all be at the Bud Bar hanging out, and God only knows where it'll go after we leave the arena. All right, we're talking about tonight a Battle of the Badge. It's an event this Saturday, BB&T Arena. 14 fights scheduled between police, fire, and military personnel uh, from all around the Tri-States at 7 p.m. The pro- uh, proceeds are going to go to help families of military and first responders last year. As Pat mentioned, seventeen thousand five hundred dollars right. in scholarship was raised, and twenty five hundred in hardship assistance uh, for, for kids. Uh, d- d- describe how I mean all the, 
I guess, semantics that go into organizing an event like this? How how's it all just come together? It's insane. And it comes together <laughs> last minute. As hard as you try. It's Everything all the best plans come together. This week, man. Um, you know, the first thing we do is about six, eight months out is we secure our venue. And then it's email after email just trying to find guys that will fight. And then after that, it's getting them in training. Luckily, we have local gyms. Um, Cincinnati Golden Gloves, Champs in Florence, they'll train our guys for nothing, as much as they want to train. Wow, so, And then cool. we just start organizing it, and then about 90 days out, we start selling tickets, start moving VIP stuff, and uh, trying to get businesses to back us, you know, sponsor fights, stuff like that. And it just really, really comes together. Friday will be insane. It's setup day, and Saturday's just go time. How many, like last year, how many people did you have this event? Last year we had what? About a thousand or so yeah, people. So. Yeah, that's a that's a nice turnout. For it's a nice it's a nice turnout. It's nice, a nice turnout. turnout. Yeah, so. very cool. Now, now, in, in terms of like, like you, know, you you're a, a a police officer, so like like describe some of the just I guess hardships and, and things that are different about the job now versus maybe even five years ago or ten years ago. Oh or so, I mean, I talk to police officers all the time. Yeah, have them on my show, and just the, the game has is changed, and there's so many more different obstacles you guys have and resistance you guys have describe what that's like i mean the first thing is the technology i feel like i have more bells and whistles in my car than apollo 11 did i don't know how I you mean, guys walk around you got the yeah. you got the, the camera and you got the stun gun you got the real gun you got this and yeah that. and cameras in the cars and of right. course everyone you're dealing with now is videoing you and then with the media you know everything from the west coast makes it all over the country and the east coast vice versa and it's a hard time for law enforcement right now. And the scary thing is now it's it's shifting the fireside. You know, the, I see the Cincinnati guys are putting in; they want to wear vests to work. And to yeah. me, that's it's crazy that the firemen are having to deal with you know what's being left over from us and what's pushed over. And um, it's a scary time out there right now. It's a really hard time to recruit new guys to sign up for this. Well, it, it is. I had a um, a police a Cincinnati police uh, re- recruiting agent. Uh, his name is escaping me at the, at, at the moment, but. He was saying, yeah, numbers are down. Police Academy numbers are, are down because, you know, it used to be like, look, you had, your life was on the line and, and all that. But, you know, the, and the pay wasn't amazing. But at the end of the day, at least, you know, the community had your back. Yeah. Right. And now that's not there. It's, it's tough. It's not. But I will say it is a select group of people working in Boone County. True. We're 150,000, a million population in the daytime with businesses. And I've never had so many meals bought for me. So many handshakes stopped in neighborhoods. The people love us. It is a small group, but unfortunately, they're banding together and making it a little more difficult. But, you know, and as far as recruiting, the states are they're in turmoil with their money, which is affecting pensions. And when I signed up, it was 20 and out. That was a big deal. 42 years old and I get to stay home. And now it went to 27 and now they're talking 401ks. And, you know, it's, it's really, really hard to brighten these guys' eyes coming out of college or college athletes and say, hey, this is where you want to be. No, no question about it. Again, the the organization is called Holiday for Heroes. Go to www.holidayforheroes.org. The big event this weekend, Battle uh, of the Badge. Uh, are you, Pat, are you going to jump in the ring at all? You think? No, I, no? I guarantee you 100% I won't be. Now, now Mitch, look, he's in good shape. No offense to you, but well, Mitch, Mitch well, looks I, like he's You just had to say that. I figured that, Rock. That was great. <laughs> I'm a little bit older than he is, about 10, about 10 years older. So uh, he does all my heavy work and – I'm the brains of the outfit. So ah, that's, see, that's, there you go. There you go. See, the, the good, good rivalry going right here. Absolutely. What about Mitch? You, you jump in the ring or? If I have to. Have I'll, be, to. I'll be the. Man, uh, that's right. Now, you, you just told, told me off air, you are like the guy, if, if someone gets hurt or if someone just decides not to show up, you're like the number one fill-in. Yeah. So, so you got to be ready to go. I'm the only one that will say that will do it. 
I'm not a boxer by any stretch of the imagination, but no, I know these not. guys have been training to get here, and the last thing I want them to do is cancel day of. So if I got to go in there and organize the event and take a beating, that's just the way it's going to be. And now, now people that have never boxed, now I've never like boxed other than like when I was young, you know, getting to put some gloves on, let's see, hit the crap out of each other. But even like, like I've trained on like a heavy bag and stuff, people don't realize how utterly exhausting that is. I mean, if you, if you're out there listening, next time you're at the gym and there's a heavy bag there, try hitting that heavy bag as fast and as hard as you can for 60 seconds. You won't make it. You won't make it 60 seconds. Absolutely not. Our fighters that want to lift weights and, and look good in a tank top <laughs> or no shirt, I'm like, treadmill, buddy. Run. Just keep running. Yeah, get you You'll a base, fine. get you a conditioning base, and then we'll, we'll work up to this stuff. But you're right. It's, it's, but that's what's going to be fun. Guys aren't, you know, I don't want to see a bunch of technical you know, uh, boxer stuff. I want to see guys, you know, those yeah, those man. Well, yeah. and, and what's good about this from a non-boxer is this is the third year we've done this. The first year we had it at Turfway Park. The past two years it's been at the BB&T Arena at Northern Kentucky University, the old Bank of Kentucky Center. And because there are only three one-minute rounds, there's no dancing around. There's no, oh, it's boring for the first That's five. That's true. It's, it is Katie bar the door. As soon as that bell rings, these guys go at it like – <laughs> like they're taking on the beaches of Normandy. It's they go at fighting hard, and it's it's very serious to them. I know we all have a good a good time with it, but the the guys get some of them get hurt a little bit when they get in there. Yeah. So it's the real thing. They're, it's not fake, or they really go at it, which good good for them. That's very good. Now now Pat, uh, but before we let you guys run, if people want. Tickets to this, like where can they find tickets? Where can they get information? Where do they go on Saturday? G- give us the goods here. Uh, you can buy tickets at Ticketmaster, uh, or you can go to BB&T's website, and they have all the all the tickets there. It's general admission is $30. VIP seating, which includes, we have some of those left. They're $100, but that includes all your food, all your beer, all your soft drinks, all your wine, and a ringside seat at a, at a private private table. Seven o'clock, BB&T Arena. That's where NKU uh, plays, right over there. Holiday for Heroes. dot uh, org, guys. Make sure you check that out. It sounds like a fantastic event. What other event? Again, do you get to see guys? You know, men and women just go at it a little bit, but all in good sport. Yes. You know, everyone shake hands afterward and good stuff. Yep. Yeah. Guys, thank you very much for coming okay. in. Guys, Thanks make sure you you check out that event. We will take a break. We'll come back with more. Seven hundred WLW. All right, welcome back to the show here. It's going to be just you and I, me and you. What's the pride? I don't know, whatever. It's going to be us until 1130 here. Uh, a couple topics I'd like to hit. Again, first is uh, adoption. What's, what's that like if you've adopted kids and then at some age they want to find out who their biological parents are? How does that affect you? Do you, I mean, do you shy away from that? Does that make you angry or do you encourage it? I especially want to hear from folks that... Again, have been have been adopted into racially different families, right? If you're black and you've been adopted by a white family, what's that like, or and vice versa? And then also, and this is a, this is a heavy one, but if you've given a child up for adoption, say you were young and you just didn't have the means to take care of that particular child, you gave that child up, right? And it was it was a tough, tough decision. You knew it was the best one, though. Right, but then since then you've moved on with your life. You may have your own wife or, or or husband now, and your own you know own kids with that particular partner. But then, boom! Here comes a child that says, "Hey, you gave me up for adoption twenty years ago." How does that make you feel? Is it is it something where you like that because you've always been wondering, or if you go, "God, as much as I'm I'm not 
much as I appreciate this, I don't know. It's it's, it's tough. Uh, it, it, you know, maybe I, I've moved on from from that particular part of my life, and I'm now my life is going this direction. I don't want to. Do, I, I I wonder about that. So if that's you, um, check out the show. We'd love to hear from you. We got that. We also got. I want to revisit the the story I read about the uh, Cincinnati public school kid, eight years old. There's a video out there apparently of him getting beat up, getting the crap kicked out of him in school. School doesn't do anything. They tell the mom that, oh, he just, you know, happened to, uh, you know, nothing, nothing. He fainted. No big deal. Well, two days later, the kid commits suicide. Eight years old. Eight-year-old kid commits suicide. And you have to imagine one of the big, you know, things involved in that was the fact he was bullied. Not just that time, but I'm sure multiple times. And and, and why is bullying not, why is it not, um, I guess, Checked more in school. Why is it? Why is not? Why are the schools aren't are not doing much about? It? it Doesn't seem like that's something they want to really get involved in. I, uh, banning guns and banning pictures of kids with, with, you know, taking pictures with guns or liking pictures about guns or wearing American flag shirts or wearing a Donald Trump shirt. Oh yeah, suspend them. Get them. We're all over that stuff. We're tracking the social media on that. But when it comes to bullying, they don't seem that the schools don't seem to really want to get involved. Why is that? So we'll take a break. We'll come back with that. I also want to touch on the opioid crisis. We've got a big show, 700 WLW. I'm, I'm telling you, the, the new uh, superintendent of Cincinnati Public Schools, what's her name? Laura Mitchell. She's going to have a big, big, big task ahead of her. This is a big-time story. Again, I just saw it today, and you look online now, and it's been getting a lot, a lot of traction. Uh, we're talking about uh, the student at uh, Carson Elementary, eight years old, was involved in an incident, was you know, beaten up by a kid. Then other kids came in and started kicking him. School made no mention of this, apparently, to the parents of what exactly happened, that he'd been bullied, that he'd been assaulted in school, right? And two days later, the boy kills himself. And this is this is a huge, huge problem. And I always hear, oh, we, the schools need more money. The teachers, oh, we need to be paid more money. Well, this is a big-time thing that seemingly no teacher out there, no school system really wants to attack. Now, the, the low-hanging fruit of, you know, picking on kids and, and finding kids that, um, you know, like pictures of squirt guns or, or bring a squirt gun to school. I will suspend them for, for the, the semester. Yeah, okay, great. But something big like bullying, they don't want to do anything about it. This Laura Mitchell, she's got a big, big, big task ahead of her. 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800-BIG. We're also talking about adoption. Uh, now, I have was not adopted. I was, you know, born my parents biologically were more my parents, whatever. So I don't have much personal insight onto this. Now I do know obviously families that have adopted kids and it's, you know, especially families out there that, that can't have kids for various reasons. The, the chance to be able to adopt and give a, give that child a new life. And it does as much or more for the parent. You give them new life when they're able to have a child. And anyone who has kids out there knows exactly what I'm talking about. If you live in life, you got to have kids, whether you have them biologically or you adopt them. It's what makes life worth living. Now, I know Mo Egger is like any second, his uh, fiance is getting ready to give birth to their daughter. And I've told him a hundred times, I said, man, it's going to change your life in the first six months to a year is going to suck, but it is going to be, it's the best Absolute best thing ever. Like I was with my son today. We, me and my wife, we took him, took my son to the park. We rode some bikes, and then we always go to the the playground area. And one of the, the my favorite things in the world is to watch him 
interact with other kids, right? He's three years old, but just to watch him, like, you know, there's another kid there and like, you know, there's a, it's like, first he's kind of shy, but you know, he wants to play with them, but he doesn't really know how to introduce himself or kind of, you know, insinuate or, or, or instigate the, the plane doesn't really know how to get involved, but they kind of tiptoe around it. And then they start, you know, playing a little bit. And then you see the big smile because now he has a playmate and they're, they're oh, it's, it's absolute best, man. Just watching that whole deal unfold. Anyway, let's go to the phones here. We got them lighting up. Let's go to uh, Loveland and talk to Joe. Joe, you've been waiting a long time. What's your, uh, you, you adopted kids, you and your, you and your wife? Yeah, I was an adoptive dad. My first wife had a hysterectomy after her three kids. So the only way to get kids was adopt. We did private adoptions through some Catholic priests. Really? So, so how, yeah. how, how did, how was that experience? Oh, very good. I mean, you know, both of our daughters came to us. That one, one was like three days old, and the other one was five days old. Now, Actually, how, December December thirty first, nineteen eighty five. Okay, so how old are they now? This is they're gonna be what thirty one uh, and twenty seven. Gotcha. Now, Joe, did did your kids at some point did they seek to find out who their biological parents were? And if so, how did you and your wife feel about that? Uh, basically I was all for them to, you know, get into whatever they desired to find out. And I mean, we know who they are. So it was, you know, more or less like my one daughter wanted to do the paperwork up in Columbus. And then she decided, you know what, I really don't need to, I don't have a medical need that I think of that I need to find out. But, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because, um, when you go through that experience, you want to make it a positive thing. So you tell uh, we told our kids as young as, you know, they would understand, you know, they were special, but it's the language that you use. We grew up, we belong to a group called Adoption Option, mm-hmm. and that actually helped you. I'm not a real big PC guy, but instead of saying somebody gave up their baby, you say that they made an adoption arrangement, they made a parenting plan. They made a decision to do something good for another family. So right. there's really not that give away, give up, you know, conversation. Right. Happening, you you, you know? take away that we're using the, the, the better words there. You take away some of the, you know, shame, stigmatism. maybe. Right. Stigmatism. Right. Exactly. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, so it helps them feel better and people, I think, feel better. But, you know, a, a baby's getting another option. That's why they call it adoption option. So no, it's, it's very you could cool. come from any any you know way of adoption, you know, but anybody who experiences that wants to make it a positive experience. So I all I was all for my daughters trying to find out. No, that's very cool, Joe. Thank you for the call. Thank you very much for your sure. story. Every every call I've had on this last two nights, just kind of off and on, have been the parents have said, "Look, I, I support my child at some point, find, wanting to find out who the the biological parents." Are. I, I Two days ago, I would have thought the exact opposite. I would think, God, if I was a parent, I'd think, well, I raised you, gave give you everything I had, and now that's not good enough. You want to go find out your biological parents, but I guess maybe, uh, I don't know, those questions are going to be there. So to resist that and resist the, the, the children uh, you know, seeking that or going down that path, maybe that, I don't know, that, that, it, it's a tough one, but seemingly the consensus right now is allow them the opportunity to do that, and then probably most of the time they find out, the situation they're in, they're much, even much more appreciative of that. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Shandon and talk to Sally. Sally, you're on the big one. Fire away, please. Hello, Rocky. I would like to talk to you about pretty much every topic you had tonight. All right. Fire away. All righty. For the adoption, I was not adopted. I have wonderful parents, but my cousins were adopted. And when 
I have a, it was a brother and a sister. When the, my girl cousin became, I'm going to say probably 20 years old, she wanted to find her biological parents, and it really caused a big rift in our family. Um, things have never been the same, you know, mm. with, with her and our family. Now, we're going back, they were adopted, I'm going to say, late 50s, early 60s. Um, a lot has changed since then, but things never did heal with her and her parents and the rest of the family. Now, the cousins all stayed close, but the parents, it, it caused a big problem. Now to move on with the bullying. Well, let me ask you something real quick. Okay. So, so with the, uh, now when the, the parents got upset that the child was wanting to find out who the biological parents were, what, what was it, I guess, I mean, did they did they carry on a relationship with the biological parents, or was it more they just wanted to find out, and then that was it? I, I guess I'm trying to no, figure out why they no. got upset about. Well, the, the adoptive parents were so offended, like you had just said earlier. Look, I raised you, and now you're going to run off to the, the woman who gave you up. Yeah. And she did. She she went and moved out of state to learn more about her mother and other siblings and what have you, but she did you know, come back to the parents who raised her, but, you know, things were never the same. Now, the the boy cousin, he has no desire to ever know who gave him up for adoption. Yeah, I, I guess, you know, different circumstances for different different people are, are you know, make it different. But, yeah, I mean, I, that, that would be my gut reaction, again, and I have no personal experience with that, but that would be like, man, I... I, right. I, I'm going to kind of brought you out of that horrible situation. Now you want to find out more about it. What, what's what's that all about? Right. But on where I would come from, as if I was put up for adoption, I'd want to know why did you not want me, or was there a financial? That's the what? thing. Exactly. You would want to find out why. Why? Somebody what was didn't the reason? Want you? Right. Well, it turned out for my cousin. Her mother really did want her. She was a single parent struggling, and she just couldn't financially take care of her anymore, and it was an arranged adoption. Right, which is a, a very worthy reason. Sally, you, you had a comment on, on the bullying topic. What, what do you got on that? Well, I know about this firsthand. My son was a witness to a bullying incident uh, probably, I'm going to say 10 years ago, maybe 12. Mm-hmm. And he was the witness to this, and it caused, uh, you know, a big rift in the school. But bottom line, in my opinion, money talks. Now, you can say money because the parents of the bullying, the bully, were very supportive of the school. So naturally, ah, okay. we're mm-hmm. not going to make a scene. Now, this could be in Fairfield, too. Now, and, and it might not even be money. But let's just say, because I don't know anything about the Cincinnati Public Schools, but let's just say the bully's parents, mother or father, are very involved. They're the PTO mom. Right. They're Donors, they're right. Right, right. And then we have little Billy who's getting beat up in the bathroom. Well, his mom, she's working all the time. She never contributes to the school. So we're not going to rock the boat and cause the bully's parents to step back and take you follow me? No, I, I follow you. So, so yeah. one of the reasons why that the schools and the teachers and the 
administrators don't want to get involved is because, look, we're we're biting the hand that feeds us here a little bit. Maybe this whole thing will just blow over, but it's not blown over. This this kid's eight years old and killed himself. The girl at at Fairfield, same situation, was getting getting harassed 24-7 on on Facebook, and the school did nothing about it. Who knows why, but this apparently is maybe one of the many reasons. Well, there was another incident. Now, I, my child was not involved in it, but it was a, one of my best friend's daughter. She was so bullied, and the parents repeatedly went, this was at a Catholic school, repeatedly went to the principal trying to get help. But once again, it was that click, because the kids that were bullying her, all their parents went to this same Catholic school when they were kids. That's interesting. So yeah. this was a click, and it ended up, I mean, it was very, very sad bad thing, but she, she took her out in seventh grade, put her in a public school, and uh, she's a wonderful young lady now with a wonderful career and doing great, and she overcame that bullying, but she is a teacher now herself, and she knows what to look for. Well, it's amazing. I'm sure, again, one of the many reasons uh, that this bullying stuff probably goes on. Sally, we got to run, but thank you for the information. Thank you. All right. Have a good night. You too. Take another call on this. Let's go to let's go to Price Hill and talk to Ray. Ray, you have a comment on the Carson Elementary uh, si- uh, situation? Yeah, and I can do it quick on both. My wife is also adopted, and I went through part of what you're talking about mm-hmm. on the Price Hill thing in particular. My daughter had to go to a, my second daughter had to go up there for a test that she, she's in a different school inside of CPS. She's not in Car- at, at Carson, but that was our neighborhood school. So I took her up there and I dropped her off around one thirty or so in the afternoon. Picked her up. And it happened to be right around the time the dismissal was happening. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the main office, and I'm waiting for my kid to get done with the test. And it was fine. But I was watching and listening to the assistant principal and the secretaries and everybody else talking about getting the buses ready and everything else. The language that they had wasn't bad like profane, but it was, it was at best ebonics. There was no way in the world if these were the administrators that the English teachers were able to teach the kids how to talk proper to the point that they would understand we're hearing bad grammar when we're sitting here. Mm-hmm. It was that sad. And this is a normal neighborhood school, and this is an assistant principal. This isn't just, you know, a secretary that happened to be brought in. Mm-hmm. So if, if they turned around and didn't catch this bullying thing, it wasn't because they were trying to ignore it. It was most likely because they just didn't realize it or they were incompetent. And then when they realized what happened, when the cops showed up, like, uh-oh, and then they're all hiding. So, but but, but how, how in, this, in this society we live in, Ray, where all the time it's on social media or the news, you hear of bullying, how the problem is, and how it's not the same as bullying when you and I were kids, when you went to school. It's much different now because a lot of it's social media driven. The kids can never get away from it. How, why, with all this information, do teachers and administrators find themselves well, ignorant? Hold on. This is the difference. At that age, this isn't social media. And by the way, that wasn't bullying. That was a straight-up beatdown. That was a beatdown. Yeah, that, that was assault. That, that, that was this assault. is not bullying. My kid in a different school, this crap about bullying and stuff is to the point where it's almost ridiculous. It's like, look, you're supposed to pick on the kid that picks their nose. That's how it teaches us you don't do this at the dinner table. You know what I mean? So that, that part gets ridiculous the other way. I'm talking about this particular school. This was my neighborhood school. This was my experience, and this was an administrator. So I'm just trying to say, look, this is different than what you guys are thinking about on a pure newspaper standpoint. And, right. and there's one last thing, too. On the adoption thing, 
my wife was adopted. I looked this stuff up, and she had always wanted to know, but she didn't have the nerve to do just like what the other callers are saying of annoying her parents. Mm-hmm. Her her dad died. Her mom was was sick, but she was still alive, so she kept it a secret. It cost us eight hundred bucks to find a PI that did it. Here's the important part that I'm bringing this up. At the time that my wife was adopted, the records were sealed. There was a narrow window of time. Those records have now been opened. That particular private investigator that managed to help her find her mother, her, her real mother, uh, she was basically put out of business because that private time that that stuff was sealed by the court has now been opened in the last few years. Well, so I, I, back- that's one of the issues, too, because you, you think, I mean, when you give someone up for adoption, isn't that kind of the understanding that, look, you're, there's not going to be any paper trail and it's part of the deal hey we'll just kind of make this so we'll a, a, a sticky situation doesn't come up but you see it more, happening more and more often and this was the beauty the person who was the private investigator was also an, an adopted woman okay mm-hmm. so she turned around and she would couch and coach her clients to say look i can make the first call but you're going to have to turn around and deal with this and if they want to rebuff you because they're too uncomfortable you have to begin to accept that. I'm going to take your money. I'll give you a name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. But you have to be ready to accept this, that they had a lot of pain when this occurred. And these women might not really like revenge. Yeah, that, that's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. Ray, we got to run, but, but thank you for the information. Very good stuff. That, that, that's kind of what I'm talking about. There's a lot of pain involved in that situation, and maybe they don't want to you know, have the, the kid coming back 15, 20 years later and knocking on the door and saying, hey, Hey man, what's going on here? How come you gave me up? There's a lot of there's a lot of emotions involved in that, for no question about it. We got time, don't we? We got time. One more call on this. No, we don't. Let's go to a break. We'll come back with more. We got Bill, we got Kitty, we got Joe, we got Mike, we got Steve, and we have you. Stick around. Seven hundred WLW. Oh my God! Thank God we're back here. Seven hundred WLW, the Rocky Blaming Show, hour number three, here all the way until midnight. Until Steve Summers takes over with America's Trucking Network. Well, we got a few topics are bouncing around. Um, the first one is uh, adoption. I particularly want to hear from folks that have, I guess, two things, been adopted into racially different families, and how is that? how does that work out, right? It's one thing, okay, your parents are a different race, but what about when the entire extended family is? Is that... Is it weird? Is it different growing up like that? What are, what are some of the things you had to battle through? And the other thing, the big one I would like to hear from is about folks who have maybe you've given up a child for adoption. You were young. You it, the Circumstances weren't right. You couldn't properly raise a child. You found yourself, you had one, but it, it just wasn't, wasn't the time for you. So you gave your child up for adoption, and then 15, 20 years later, Knock at the door. Hey, I'm your child. You gave me up. Why? Why did you give me up? And like, whoa, wait a minute now. Like, you know, I, I did that right thing. It was a tough decision. But now I, I you know, I, I kind of wanted to move on with my life. But now here you are. I wonder how that how that goes. So if that describes you, call the show 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800-the-big-one. We're also talking about bullying in schools. This is going to be a big-time story tomorrow morning. Write it down. And that is uh, Carson Elementary School. Uh, the Enquirer and Saker did a um, investigative report here, and apparently, uh, Carson Elementary School. There was a video that revealed a student. Okay, a student assaulted an eight-year-old boy in a restroom. Okay, caught on camera. 
Um, was a, the kid assaulted him. Then other kids kicked him while he was down on the floor for five minutes. He lay, was laying there unconscious. Two days later, the boy commits suicide. Now, you have to wonder if, you know, a, a lot of what had to do with that was the fact that this kid had been bullied, had been beaten up. But the problem is the school did nothing. The lawyer of the mother says the school officials did not even tell the boy's mother that the assault even happened or that he'd lost consciousness. It's simply told him that he fainted, and that was about it. And now a couple of days later, then the kid commits suicide. So bullying in schools, what's your experience with that? If you have kids in schools, and what are the schools doing about it? What are the teachers actively, proactively doing about it? Because I feel like they're not doing enough. This is a major, major issue with the way these kids are getting bullied, both physically and even more so mentally. With the way social media is, you can never get away from it. You're always being harassed. There's Facebook groups and Twitter posts and Instagram posts of, hey, you should kill yourself, and hey, you're fat, you're this and that. You can, kids can never get away from it. And the schools, what I think is amazing is the schools are monitoring social media accounts of kids. But the ones they're disciplining are the ones that a kid, like, like the kid in Ohio, northern Ohio, that liked an Instagram picture of an airsoft gun suspended for 10 days. So it's like, why are you going after that stuff? Why are you making a big deal about that? Or if someone has a, a, you know, a pro-American shirt or a whatever, going after that stuff and laying down the law. But when it comes to bullying, the teachers don't seem to really want to get involved and get their hands dirty. 513-749-7000, pound 700 AT&T, 1-800-BIG. Well, let's go to the phones right now. We've got a bunch of calls. We're going to get to them. Let's go to Delhi. And talk to Joe. Joe, you're on the big one. Fire away, please. Yeah, hey, Rock. I always enjoy listening to you. Thank you, bud. Uh, I got a couple things I want to talk about, mostly adoption. You know, uh, adoption is, I've adopted two children, but, um, you know, it's all brought about by loss. Mm -hmm. You know, we try to have children, and, uh, you know, biologically, it didn't work out. Um, Unfortunately, someone got pregnant, didn't want to be pregnant. They uh, had to place their child for adoption, mm-hmm. which is a word that you should really use instead of giving up a child. So they placed their child with us, and uh, it's all been pretty good. But um, the woman that gives up the child, she's the biggest hero in the world. Mm-hmm. But she has all the control. If she decided that she was just going to abort a child, nobody would know about it. So, and nobody would say, why do you abort a child? Because that's secret. Mm. However, if she places a child for adoption or give it up, as some people would say, people will question her her entire life. That's an interesting point. She, you know what I'm saying? So the real word, and I'm not a big PC guy. I'm a West Sider like you. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we want more women to place their children, we need to make them as heroes not villains. Right. In other words, don't give them a scarlet letter for, for, hey, how dare you give up your child? You did this and that. In other words, say, hey, look, you're actually doing the right thing. You have the the option out there by the laws of our country to abort that child, but you didn't. It's certainly much tougher to go full term through a pregnancy that you aren't able to properly, you know, carry out, if you will, much harder to go through that whole whole process and the pain of seeing the child, holding the child, but still knowing you got to give it up. 
that should be probably celebrated more than just the easy way out where people would never know. Oh, well, I don't know what happened. The, something happened with the pregnancy in the, in the around no more. No? Absolutely. I mean, I've adopted two children. They're from different biological mothers. And let me tell you, I think those women are heroes. Yeah. Because they had an alternative and they chose to raise that child. And you know what? The waiting list to adopt a child is more than a year. And it's very expensive. See, that, that, so, that's one of the problems, too, and maybe re- re- quickly uh, you can talk about that a little bit, Joe. That's what I've always heard is, like, you would think there's all these kids out there that are in foster homes and this and that, waiting, praying to God they get placed in a good family, but there's, like, a million hoops to jump through and a lot of money. W- w- what is that process like? Well, I adopted mine as infants, so I would imagine as uh, I don't know the foster, so I won't speak on that. But, however, when you're adopting a child as an infant, you go through an agency or what have you, you are uh, under a fine-tooth coat. And you fill out uh, all the information, what you do for a living, what your spouse does for a living, what you're going to do when the child is born, where you live, this and that. They come to your house. Um, they, I mean, you are fully well inspected. And then the, the birth mother picks you. She finds someone that says, okay, this is how, you know, I like this and I like that. You tell them all about yourself. And she decides who she wants to place her child with, you know, like maybe her ideal life or what have you. Right. Well, that's, it, that's it, fair. It takes, it takes a while. Yeah. It's a shame that it takes that long. And, and Joe, we got to run, but thank you for the call and thank you for your information. Thank you. Sure thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's take another call on this. Let's take this one. Let's go to uh, let's go to Harrison, where I dwell, and talk to Gene. Gene, you're on the big one. You have a, a story about the other side of adoption. Please explain. Yeah, I got to disagree with the last caller. Um, in my situation, I was about two years old, and I had some uh, brothers and sisters, actually stepbrothers and sisters, and my mom uh, decided to leave my biological dad to go be with another man um, in california mm-hmm. and the man told her i'll take your kids but i'm not going to take the baby that you have uh i don't want him a part of our situation so she uh put me up for adoption and i actually offered me to my grandparents and uh on my dad's side because back then the, the dad rarely got the kids just the way it was set up mm-hmm. and um I, I was raised, I was given a life that I would never had if I stayed with my biological mom, but she didn't do it out of anything other than pure selfish reasons. I wow. couldn't go with her, she didn't want me, and as I grew up and grew older and became um, established, went through college, I had a job, she shows up back in my life, and wants to say, I, tell me that I thought about you every day oh, of your yeah. life. Mm-hmm. I had, I had every birthday I thought of you. At Christmas I thought of you. Um, can, is there any way I can move in your house? Do you have any room for me? And it was like, no, I don't. Yeah, and, and don't she's telling me. you this, and you're thinking you're, you're full of crap, lady. You you gave me up, and now you want back in. I have to imagine that's some of the things you felt, right? Rock, I can't even tell you. I'm torn because every kid wants to love their parent. Every single kid, no matter what. And, and I'm a teacher, so I'll give you the other side to a bullying in a second if you want to hear it. Mm-hmm. But 
um, as, as a child, even 241 kids, they'll do whatever it takes to keep the family and the child together because they know in the long run it's probably what the child wants and it's what the family wants. But I was torn because, no, this woman, you didn't want me. And where have you been for, you know, 18, 19 years? And now you show up in my life, and I wanted to go have lunch with her or whatever, but I had my life set by then, and there was no Oprah Winfrey moment where we were going to hug and kiss over a cup of coffee. No, you miss way too much of my life. And if you have regrets in your life for giving me up when you wanted to go be with that man in California, that is something that you're going to have to deal with with God. Not on my end. It's a very interesting story, but but I think it kind of gets back to one of the things I was trying to explore, and that was when the child is given up by the parents, and then yeah, either the kid comes back in the in the life, or the yeah, the because I've seen this in 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 the in the league, right? Guys that didn't know their dad whatsoever, all of a sudden, hey, it's the draft, we're coming around, and all of a sudden the dad is back in the life, and all of a sudden the the, the, the guy, he's, you know, he signs a, a nice contract, and now all of a sudden you hear more from the parents and this and that coming out of the woodwork. And I used to always think that's such bull crap, man. Now they're coming back in. Oh, I regret everything I did. Well, sometimes it's not just not that easy, man. It's not just that easy to forgive you for doing something like that and just, oh, okay, yeah, come on in. It's so good to see you. And it sounds like you had that same experience. You say, no way, man. You're not going to just walk back in here and, like, everything's okay. And like you said, we're going to have that Oprah, Oprah Winfrey moment. It's not happening. No, that was a perfect comparison. It really is. And then you got to deal with the guilt of I turned away my mother. That's my biological mother. But I tell people, you have a biological mom, then you have your mom. I have, you know, my biological dad, then I have my dad, my father who raised me. Anybody can have a kid. You've heard that saying, mm-hmm. but it's the, the people that yeah, raised me. parent. Yeah, exactly. So you, so you had your um, adoptive parents, and they loved you and raised you right, and now you're a teacher and things are fantastic, right? I live a life a lot of people dream of, yes. Good for you, man. That's, that's what it's all about. Gene, I appreciate your story, man. Thank you. Thanks, Rocky. Have a good night. You too. You too. Take another one. I like this. This is good stuff. Let's go to um. Uh, let's go to. Uh, let's switch. We're gonna go back and forth between this and the bullying topic. Let's go to a uh, Trenton and talk to Kid. Kid, you've been waiting a long time. Fire away, please. Uh, how's it going, Rocky? Good. How are you? I'm all right. Uh, I'm actually a firefighter EMT down in Cincinnati. Sweet. And <clears throat> you wouldn't believe the suicidal epidemic between kids due to bullying. You, you, if, if you knew the numbers, it'd blow you away. Really? We're doing, we're doing six, seven runs just going to children's all for a psychological issue due to that. And then you sit in the back with these kids, and they, they'll, they'll spill their guts out because, you know, they see you as a person they can finally say something to. Mm-hmm. And you hear their story, and it's just ridiculous what's going wait, on wait, in wait. school. So, 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 like, so a kid will be where, like, at home or something, and say, "Look, I'm getting I'm getting bullied in school. It's complete bullcrap. I feel like like like, a, like the scum of the earth. The teachers won't do anything. So they so that I guess as a last resort, they call you. They call the police. They call the fire to come in and and kind of a, a last last lifeline to see if they can help out. Is that what you're telling us? Yeah, it's it's just the end of the road. They think there's that's the end of the hallway, and that's the last thing they got. And if that doesn't work, you know, that's that's it. So, so what do they tell you in terms of? I have to imagine one of your, you know, there's a couple questions you ask. First of all, is 
what are your parents knowing? What are they doing? And secondly, you have to be, so what are your teachers doing? Let's start with the teachers one first. What do these kids say that you deal with multiple times a week about how these schools are dealing with the, the bullying issue while they're in the classroom, while they're under the supervision of these of, of the teachers and the administration? What do they say? Well, a lot of the time the kids, they, they'll say they don't do anything. They, don't, they won't tell the teacher anymore. Because that teacher gives the detention or whatever, sends the principal, you know. Wait, wait, sends, sends the kid that's being bullied to the principal or sends yeah, the bulliers? No, no, sending the bully to the principal. Okay. Slap on the wrist, wins. basically, yeah, and then yeah. it keeps going. And then it turns out way worse. Oh, because now then, the kid comes back and said, hey, you got me yeah. in trouble. Now it's, now it's tenfold. Ah, yeah. Wow. Yep, and then, and then so... <clears throat> And a few kids, I've, I've, they've, they've said, you know, I, I, I want to do something about it, but I don't want to get in trouble. And I, I just, you know, I just wanted to go, I just want to do my schoolwork. I want to be with my friends, yada, yada. But I've had a couple kids tell me that they stood up for themselves and actually got in the same amount of trouble as the bully. So they stood up to the bully and say, you know, finally confronts them, fights them, whatever, and then he gets the same punishment as the bully. That's, that's so, so And see, what I have to imagine what's going on here, kid, again, is this is obviously a very complex issue, multi-layered, complex issue. And I have to feel like a lot of the teachers don't want to get down in the mud, right? They don't want to get the story from the bully and get the story from the kid and monitor some social media and observe and maybe ask some questions before school, after school, and get to the bottom of this. And meanwhile, you're telling us you're dealing with multiple kids a week that are getting bullied, and I'm sure you're dealing with multiple kids a week that are committing suicide over these sort of bullying, bullying things that are going on, correct? Oh, yeah. I mean, the numbers are starting to be actually It's getting crazy. to much to where uh, – like today, they they had no more room left in the uh, children's psych unit. There's no more room. They're full. No more They're room in psych. Yeah, that's that's unbelievable. unbelievable. They, can we, can we, look, hey, we, we got to run. This has been a very eye-opening call. I appreciate you you calling and sharing. This is a topic that's not going away, and, and I'm going to make sure we, we continue on. Kid, thank you for the call. Have a good night, Rocky. You too. You too. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back with more. 700 WLW. So, so if Hillary Clinton had won the White House, would you have recommended that she fire FBI Director James Comey? Well, let me tell you something. If she had won the White House, I believe that given what he did to her and what he tried to do, she should have fired him. Yes. So she should have fired him, but he shouldn't have fired him. This is why I'm confused. We're all confused. Oh, Maxine, you confused all of us. She was was she given an award by all the Hollywood elites at like the MTV Music Awards for her courage and bravery? What about this? This isn't brave. It's a total double standard. By the way, it just came out. Uh, FBI fired fire uh, FBI director James Comey. Um, he wrote he wrote a letter to all the people he was who were underneath him at the FBI. Uh, basically, a, a goodbye letter. Now he didn't say didn't comment on the decision or the way it was executed or the timing of it or anything like that. But he did say, quote, I have long believed that a president can fire an FBI director for any reason or for no reason at all. So I wonder if that changes things. Now, I have a feeling that's not going to change, even though Comey's like, okay with it. And hey, man, it's just two people. Everyone's had this, right? Sometimes two people within an organization just aren't connecting, right? They don't see eye to eye. They're not on the same page. So you you cut you know you cut ties. That's the way it goes. 
But try explaining that to Maxine Waters. It doesn't sound like James Comey holds any ill will. It just you know didn't work out. But it's not going to stop her or others. Let's do this. Let's go to the call. Before we go to the calls, we've got Teeter and Anderson. We've got Stephen Fairfield. So we're going to get them in a second. But I have to pass this along. A media release by Dr. Lakshmi Samarco, right, who's the county coroner here in Hamilton County. The media release is this. As referred to during Monday's press conference, Hamilton County Coroner Dr. Lakshmi Samarco and Hamilton County Heroin Coalition Task Force Commander Tom Fallon want to remind the community there have been recent fatalities suspected to be related to, to, to cocaine laced with lethal fentanyl analogs. Even if someone is not intending to purchase either heroin or fentanyl, there is cocaine in the area that can be tainted with a very dangerous and lethal compounds, whether used for recreational purposes or otherwise. So if you're out there and you're buying cocaine right now, don't. Okay, for like a billion reasons, but for a billion and one, the cocaine right now apparently on the streets has fentanyl, carfentanil, and other stuff in it. This is what I don't understand about drugs. Now, maybe it speaks to the power of these drugs, but if someone, like if you were like walking down the street, right, and you were hungry, you were starving, right, but, but and like you're looking for a place to eat, and somebody came along and said, here, I got this hamburger. Here, you look hungry. You want, you want this hamburger? You're like, no way I'm eating that, man. I don't know where the hell that hamburger's been. I don't know if... If it's been laying in the road, I don't know if it's actual, you know, like beef or is it cat meat? Is it dog meat? I, I've, I have no idea who made it. I have no idea who cooked it. Was it cooked under sanitary kitchen? In other words, you would make sure you went to a, a proprietor that sold a hamburger that had to deal with some sort of regulations, right? Even if it's a McDonald's, okay, and I'm not saying they have the healthiest stuff in the world, but at least a McDonald's, a Wendy's, a whatever, a, a Five Guys, has FDA regulations that got to stand by. It's got to be. It's got to be 100% beef. It's got to be this. It's got to be cooked to a certain degree. It's got to be cooked on a skillet and inside a restaurant that's not infested with mice and cockroaches and disease and all this and that. So in other words, you have a little bit better idea. You know what you're getting. If you're buying heroin these days or cocaine these days on the street, you have no idea what's in. How in a million years would you play Russian roulette like that? How would you do? I, I can even understand the opioid crisis because at least if you're buying lower tabs or you're buying Percocets, you're buying whatever, at least it's, they're coming from a doctor and it's FDA regulated. At least, at least you kind of know what's in it. Now, it's, it's, it shouldn't be doing it, obviously, but I, I don't understand. You're, you have no idea. It's literally the equivalent of putting one round in a revolver, zzz, spinning it, and putting it to your head. You have no idea if that cocaine, in this case you're buying, has... You know, a, a half a gram of fentanyl in it, two grams. You don't know if the guy who was cooking it up, if he was half-baked himself and put extra extra whatever in it or didn't. What, you have no idea. How, how does that happen? Is, is it that powerful? You just can't. There are not other things. I, I don't get it. I, I, no one can explain it to me. Let's go to the phones. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's go to Anderson and talk to Teeter. Teeter, you were adopted. Give us your story. Hey, right. Actually, I was on the phone last night with you, and then uh, the call got lost. Um, yeah. I was talking about, uh, I contacted my birth mother through Ancestry.com, mm -hmm. uh, and we've been emailing back and forth lately um, and kind of getting to know each other a little bit. 
Um, but I was adopted at birth, and everything was a closed adoption. So this is all new information for me. Um, but the biggest thing, I think, was telling my parents about it and just kind of not to replace you guys at all. I just want to get some information regarding my biological family, you know, my... I assume part of that, Teeters, look, you want to know a little bit kind of where where you came from a little bit. Do, you know, what what kind of was going on in my family? What what are my genes made of? What sort of history is in my family? Are, are we a, a family of, of blue-collar workers, white-collar, whatever it is, right? You kind of just want some information. Yeah, it's, it's mostly, you know, just in terms of biological information. And then a big part of it, um, you know, as I get older is, uh, you know, you want to know medical history as well. Yes. Uh, yeah, are you predisposed yeah, for uh, whatever, right? You want to know that. Yeah, that, that stuff's pretty important. Um, and then there's just always been a general curiosity between me and uh, my brother, who is also adopted. We share the same birth mother, um, different fathers. But we both had a, a curiosity growing up just of where we came from. Um, so we both took the test on ancestry. We've both been in contact with our birth mother. Um, and so far, everything's going pretty well. Uh, we're going to meet in person in a few weeks. Um, well, yeah, that's it's good. all pretty exciting. No, that's good. But, T, let me ask you this, because a lot of times I assume it's supposed to be kind of a closed case deal, right? You're not supposed to know her, she, your birth mother. She's not supposed to know what family you went to. That way everyone can kind of lead their life. How does, but you hear about more time and time again, kids like yourself, they find out, they do the research. How is that legally, how do you legally do that? And how easy is it, I guess? Well, um, well so I knew I was adopted um, just growing up. Like, I don't specifically remember ever being told, you know, hey, you were adopted. It's just always kind of been known, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the way the closed adoption works is my birth mother got pregnant I heard a caller earlier saying, you know, that the birth mother picks out the the adoptive parents. Um, So she got a bunch of letters and picked out my parents through the letters. Um, And they actually exchanged letters between each other through the attorney. So they knew each other's names and whatnot. It's just that legally, uh, until the child is 18... Um, they're not, uh, and then my parents didn't really have any information about her. So that's what led me to do the ancestry DNA test. So so after 18, things get a little more opened up and then through the ancestry, you were able to kind of fill in the blanks and and figure it out. Yeah. Cause the way the, so the way the ancestry test works is it, anyone else who has taken the test, it will tell you if your DNA matches up with them and how close of a match it is. I see. So I actually matched with my biological aunt who put me in contact with my birth mother. That's pretty cool. Man. I, I'd love to do that Ancestry.com, man. I'd love to find it a little bit more. I, I think I'm from, I think I'm 75% German and like 25% Scotch-Irish and Cherokee Indian. At least that's what I've been told, but who knows? That could be whatever. You never know. Yeah, it, it breaks it. It breaks it down for you. The most interesting one was I'm uh, 2% Asian, which was 
pretty surprising. So. Yes, yeah, exactly. Find out stuff you don't know. <laughs> Tina, we appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you. All right, thanks, Rock. Yep, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Let's take another one here. We we're also talking about bullying. The uh, Carson Elementary kid got bullied, beat up. There's a video of it apparently out there, surveillance video. Um, two days later, the kid commits suicide. No one's in the school is doing anything about bullying. Let's go to Fairfield and talk to Steve. Steve, you're on the big one. Fire away, please. Hey, Rock, good to hear from you. Uh, I want to say that I've listened for a long time, and uh, keep it up. Uh, spectacular show. Thank you. Uh, the uh, kid that got beat up, this is an obscenity. This, this kid is entitled absolutely positively to uh, something called failure to defend. Every single cop knows that if they don't defend somebody, they're uh, subjected to failure to defend. And uh, what, what has happened here is the, these teachers who are, who are witnessing this or know of it, they have to legally say something. They have to have a local pastor here. This is a true story. Parents went over and said their, their, their child, 14, 12 years old, was being sexually abused by a 14-year-old male. The pastor said, I cannot, cannot hold this confidential. I have to tell it. So there's a legal precedent here. I mean, even a, even a, even a, uh, a religious precedent, they can't hold it back. Right. So, so in other words, what you're saying is usually men of the cloth, if you will, are protected. At, you know, say you go into confession, you, you know, a, a, a prosecutor can't come to the priest and say, hey, what did he spill? The, did, he, did he commit this murder? They can't say. But I assume if it has to do with a child's life, they can make the decision of, look, I, I can't be silent on this. So if they can do it. Steve, why the hell can a teacher who part of their job, whether they like it or not, when you sign up to be a teacher, is you are responsible for that child, not just in math, social studies, and history, but also for the well-being of that child between whatever, seven and three and beyond. Because the, the parents at work, you're not they're not under the supervision of the parents, so the teacher accepts some of that responsibility. To me, that's part of the damn job, but they don't want to do that part of the job. Why is that? Well, the, the issue is is here's here's what is what we need to do. There is a solution. Forget about the problem. These, these lazy ass people who don't want to deal with it. Here's the solution. Oprah gave a kid, a bully kid, eight years old, a bear's lion, six seven, three hundred fifty pounds, to go to school with him. That was cool. A football mm-hmm. coach in, uh, in another high school, a kid was being uh, brutally, uh, you know, uh, bullied. The football coach in the local high school made the the, the uh, athletes on the football team sit in, in, at the cafeteria with that student. In, in other That's words, cool. We, oh, it, you better believe it. I mean, Oprah was cool. The Bears lineman was cool. Uh, football coach was cool at the high school, but. That's what it is. There's a solution. You, me, nobody has to sit back and take their guff. These guys are out of here. They're out of here now. They're gone. We're going to fight back. You know, come to me, and I'm going to put in a solicitation for you. Come to you. We're going to fight back for these people. We'll, we'll be glad to stand by their side. I will, and I know you will, and we've we got to fight back. These people can't get away with this. With impunity. No, you're absolutely right. They can't. And I love that idea. Get an older kid who's going to basically be a, a protector, a physical presence. And even if it's symbolic, right? You got a big football player sitting there with this kid. I think a bully's going to go, 
damn, I, you know, this has got some attention to it. And I hear someone's going to stick up for this kid if he can't stick up for himself. I, I love the idea. Steve, we got to run, but thank you for the call and thank you for your input. Uh, Rocky, thank you very much. Yep, absolutely. We're going to we're going to do this topic again sometime. I think it's wild. I think it's got to get out there and it's got to. I don't know. I, I, I put a lot of blame on these teachers that don't want to do it. And they want their summer vacation. They want more money. And the school systems need more money and need this. We need funds. We need this and that. But when it comes to doing above and beyond the call of duty, right, and maybe something that's not exactly written in the job description but it's necessary, they don't want to do it. And it's 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 costing lives. We had the guy earlier call and say he's, a, he's an EMT. He's going on multiple runs a week of kids that, A, have been bullied and no one will do anything about them. They're the last pre- people they can turn to. And, and the other one, they're, they're going to pick up kids that have committed suicide because no one will help them. They've reached the end of their mark. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with one more quick segment, 700 WLW. All right, folks, that about does it for me tonight. Appreciate all the interaction, man. I, I got the best callers. I, I really, really appreciate it. Good conversation. Thank my producer, Dave Keaton. America's Trucking Network with Steve Summers is up next. Tomorrow night, Reds v. Giants, Bronson Arroyo on the Hill versus Ty Black. I will not be in because it's a West Coast game, but I will be back probably Monday. Full show Monday. Folks, have a great night. 700 WLW.